this. You're going to beat me? At golf? <laughs> oh, you're on. You're in big trouble, though, pal. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. Hello, this is Dr. Fraser Crane. I'm listening. Ezekiel 2517. You are a toy! You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. Hey, how you doing? It's Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, the show where two completely average dudes in their 30s from Australia talk about their favourite pop culture they never grew out of. My name is Bo Nicholson. I enjoy the finer things in pop culture, like critically acclaimed movies, music, and TV shows. My name's Daniel Lang, and I enjoy more everyman content. I like loud movies, fast cars, big explosions, and well, moron, good for happy Gilmore, my God! Um, that is probably one of the only laughs this movie has caused me that that is (laughs) that is is that Shooter McGavin? it's Shooter McGavin to uh, Mr. Larson Happy's former employer with the uh, extra accessory sticking out of the side of his head ah yes Uh, he tells him to try and reach the green Uh, I'm afraid that's impossible sir I, I beg to differ Happy Gilmore accomplished that feat no more than an hour ago Well, moron, good for how, my God! Played by Richard Keel, of course, the big, giant ex-employer of Happy Gilmore. We are, of course, talking about Dennis Dugan's 1996 comedy, although it's not really known as Dennis Dugan's, it's really known as Adam Sandler, because Adam Sandler's... Adam Sandler helped write this, and he starred in it as Happy Gilmore, and it, it basically became a massive part of his brand, along with Billy Madison, as he jumped out of the SNL shadows and into the mainstream comedy, uh, I guess, uh, zeitgeist, I guess, because he became a hugely popular figure after this movie and Billy Madison. Do you remember, Dan, the first time you saw Happy Gilmore? Look, I actually do. I'm not sure my parents really knew what kind of movie it was. I think they just thought it was kind of like a sports comedy. Um, I don't think they realised it was probably a little bit more adult than that. So I think I saw this probably a little bit earlier than I should have. So it came out in 96. I'd suggest it was probably about 97 when I saw it uh, from the old Video Easy uh, weekly rental section. Uh, And I do remember sitting there, most notably for two things. A, I thought it was hilarious as like an eight, nine-year-old. I thought it was really funny. Uh, but mostly for Julie Bowen in lingerie. Um, it was an awakening for young Dan. It was an awakening. Uh, yeah, she's a very attractive lady. There's no question about that. Um, is this is this the first Adam Sandler movie you can remember seeing? Yeah, 100%. Uh, 100% is the first one I remember. Um, and I remember thinking, uh, you know, this guy's pretty funny. Uh, and looking back... Uh, uh, you probably hit and miss, but uh, we'll talk about that later. It, it's definitely the first, uh, I nearly said the first Happy Gilmore movie I ever saw. There you uh, go. The first Adam Sandler <laughs> movie. And look, as you said, he made his uh, made his bones on it. The production company is what, Happy Madison mm-hmm. uh, for, for Billy Madison and, and Happy Gilmore, which are 
uh, probably two of his most well-known movies and, and both came out in that sort of mid-90s period. But I love this movie. I loved it at the time. Uh, I liked it straight away and I have gone back and rewatched it so, so many times. I have a different relationship to this movie uh, to, the, to, the, to the point that this is actually probably for this season particularly, this is the first time that we've really cracked a big difference between our tastes a little bit because uh, as maybe new listeners wouldn't be aware, what we do is uh, at the end of each episode, one of us tells the other to get a piece of 90s pop culture into them, whether it be a, a TV show, an album or a movie. And uh, after I recommended Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise, you recommended Happy Gilmore. Now, uh, previously in this show, you've uh, recommended things like Californication, the Red Hot Chili Peppers album, uh, Frasier, the TV show, and, and Green Day's Dookie, of course, was another one that you recommended. So there's a, there's a, a fair bit of you know good stuff that has come up as a result of of me diving into it a bit further than I otherwise would have um, in my regular life. Uh, and they're, they're, all, they're all very high-quality things. Happy Gilmore is one where I think we're going to have, have a little bit of a difference because uh, my, my early memories of it, I don't know which one I saw first. It was either Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. I'm not entirely sure. I have a feeling it was Billy Madison, but I, I get them very, very confused. Uh, for example, when I was re-watching Happy Gilmore, and we were meant to record this episode about a month ago, so I, I watched it at that point, and then we didn't record for various reasons. I had some technical difficulties, I was out of bad reception, you had plans, whatever it is. Uh, so I had to re-watch it again last night to keep it as fresh as possible in in order to give it the, the credence it deserves, you know? It's and, commitment. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. It fucking is. And <laughs> um, when the, when the first time I rewatched it about a month ago, I was waiting for this scene where uh, there was like a strip quiz of sorts, like where he has this girl that he's interested in and she's stripping after he's answering questions. And now that I think about it, that makes a lot more sense in the context of Billy Madison. I assume you know Billy Madison better than me. Uh, is that a scene in Billy Madison? Yeah, I'm like 99% sure it is, yeah. Yeah, right. I think so, that's how a, a, a female helps him study. Right, of course. So, like, I'm watching Julie Bowen and I'm thinking, well, she's very attractive. This could be a good scene. Um, but, alas, um, I'll have to watch Billy Madison now for that scene, so that sucks. But, um... <laughs> Such is the confusion for me. I'm currently, like, presently on the happygilmoreimdb.com page. And, you know, Happy Gilmore 1996, M-rated, 92 minutes. It has a poster of Happy Gilmore there. And right next to it, it has this prompt saying, play trailer 46 seconds. And it has a screen grab on that trailer from Billy Madison. So I'm mm. I'm just like I'm even more confused now. These, these... If you if you watch it because I watched it as well this morning, I jumped on. I always jump on IMDb beforehand just to reacquaint myself with little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. And it, it was like a trailer for a box set available on video of both uh, of those movies together. I see, okay. Because I was the same. I was like, that's not Happy Gilmore. What the fuck is going on? So yeah, it was like a double feature box set. Okay, um, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Happy Gilmore. What does this movie mean to you, Dan? Because you said that you saw it quite young. Eight is fairly young, and uh, and you've seen it umpteen times. Why? 
no, no, um, no uh, malice behind that question, or or, uh, or just your quizzical nature. Um, I think it's one of those movies that just reminds me of my childhood. Mm. Um, there's big parts of me uh, that haven't grown up, uh, and just probably never will at this point, as a 32 year old man with a career and a wife and a, and a home and a, a child on the way, first child on the way. Congratulations. Uh, we're, we're officially announcing it now on the podcast. Congratulations. You're one, you're one of the insiders, so uh, you knew way before uh, most people. But, yeah, it's it's still probably a concern to my wife that I am still mostly a child mm. uh, in a lot of ways. And I think putting, putting on something like Happy Gilmore just sort of takes me back to – those carefree days when I didn't have bills and, you know, mortgages and rents and all the stuff that you have to worry about when you're an adult, uh, you know, and didn't have to worry about eating healthy or whatever, you know. It just, well, I didn't have uh, high blood pressure. I didn't have sleep apnea. Uh, I didn't have a sore back. You know, things were great. Uh, and Happy Gilmore is synonymous with that for me. Like, I'm, I'm literally sitting here right now in a... In a uh, Happy Gilmore jersey, a hockey jersey. Um, oh, you dress for the occasion. Just reminds me. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it takes me back to those happy places. So I think that more than anything, like it's it's not a great movie. In if you go by you know fairly conventional standards on a lot of things, but for its time and its place, it had some funny moments. Uh, it had a bit of heart about it. I think it was overall it was pretty amusing. And for those of us who, who were in that period or even quite young, you know, I think it uh, came at a good time and I think we, we held on to it. So, I think that's the key difference is that you have this true and genuine nostalgia for this movie. I saw it once when I was like about the same age, eight-ish. I did not find it funny or memorable in any way. I instead preferred the comedies of Jim Carrey which are probably, on reflection, also quite poor. You know, like Ace Ventura Pet Detective, or Ace Ventura 2 even, which is, by most metrics, worse. Liar Liar. Uh, a lot of these movies are not particularly good either, really. Um, I think it just comes down to what you preferred at the time. And I could still watch Ace Ventura and get a laugh out of it now because I have that nostalgia. I can still watch Freddy Got Fingered now and laugh. And I'm not going to defend Freddy Got Fingered as a good movie. So it's interesting to hear you say that you know that by most metrics, it's not what most people would consider a good movie. I used to get in like trouble in friendship groups when I used to say, I don't really like Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Um, and they'd be like, what are you talking about? Those movies are great. And apart from, let's not get into semantics about Bo using the word great, because that's just going to be a long conversation. Suffice to say, that word gets overused. Um, These movies are not great. They are not among the greats. They are not great. They might be a fun time. They might be nostalgic. uh, And you might find them funny. That's all well and good. But... A lot of those people were hinging it on the fact that they loved that movie when they were 10, right? It's kind of like Donnie, the Donnie Darko argument for me. The Donnie Darko argument is, when did you see Donnie Darko, right? If you saw Donnie Darko when you were a 14 or 15-year-old boy, you probably fucking loved that movie. 
Have you seen Donnie Darko, by the way, while we're pontificating no, on it? Okay, well, there you go. So if you watch well, it... I know, the, I know the movie. If you, if you watch it now, you'd probably find it boring and obtuse. And uh, if you watch it through the lens of a 15-year-old boy that's having his mind open to cinema... Uh, you know, put the R on the end of cinema deliberately there. It's it's a very different experience. So for me, it's just like, I, I, I watched this out of respect to the pod. I did not enjoy it at all. I, the second time I watched it, I watched it with my partner, Shelby, and she, uh, she laughed more than I did. That's for sure. But respect, <laughs> she clearly has better taste than me, but yeah, I actually, I, I thought I was actually kind of, I was kind of up for it after the first couple of minutes, Dan, to be honest. Like, I, I really like the opening of the movie. I, I like the uh, the opening credits. The music by Mark Mothersborough is really good. That's the guy from Devo that did the soundtrack for a bunch of movies now, but Lego Movie particularly is very famous. Yes. He, uh, you know, he, he it's a good opening theme, and it's very sweet, you know, uh, how much he loves his grandma, who's played with... Yeah. Who's played nicely, I think, by Frances Bay. I think she does a nice job in the movie. And the only time I genuinely laughed in the entire film, the only time, I promise you, and it was probably more like a snicker, but still, was when he talks about all the different jobs that he had and how he uses them all as penises. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to admit, I laughed. Like, there was a couple of times where I was like, how is he going to... Uh, yeah, petrol Bowser. Got it. Yep. Oh, he sprays it. Oh, it's like, come, cool. Okay, got it. Like, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, that was actually quite funny. So, at that point, this is like two or three minutes in, I'm thinking, yep, okay, I'm on board. Heartwarming, funny, not being over-the-top Adam Sandlery, you know? And, uh, and then it just sort of went downhill from there for me. I'm so surprised. Like, I get what you mean, and... It's it's funny that like the whole different different um, different employment different penis jokes because uh, that's definitely something I've done literally this week. Um, <laughs> with, not even lying. with what? <laughs> I, I honestly I don't think I've done that for like twenty years. But this weekend, me and my wife were putting together a set of shelves. Oh god! And they were all quite over. The, and she was holding this bit and that, and I was tapping a couple of things in with a rubber mallet. And I had nowhere to hold it, so I tucked it between my legs while I used my two hands. And then I just sort of went, hey, Tiff, and then just, like, thrust back and forth because it was between my legs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, <laughs> very good. <laughs> you didn't find it funny, uh, like, at all. Um, I don't know. I just – there was a few of the little moments, like, where he's uh, he's singing down at the intercom, but then his girlfriend's gone, and, uh, you know, he's – this old Chinese lady comes up and he ends up spending the night with her. Just weird little funny things like that, you know. I want to kiss you all over and over again. I got really close to the mic there. I don't know if you could tell. I, I could. It was, uh, it was lovely, actually. It was like whispering in my ear. <laughs> uncomfortable. Uh, just little moments like that. They make me laugh. Uh, they're stupid. Fighting Bob Barker, like, and Bob Barker beating the shit out of him. Uh, it, it's I think it's predictable now in this sort of movie that that's the stuff that happens. But back then, that felt fresh. I don't know. just felt fresh to me back then. I suppose it probably... And part of the 
See, this is the thing. Like, so I, I, as you know, pay attention to critics and stuff like that because, uh, for me, it's kind of like a way of documenting history. It's like a documenting society at the time. So, like, when we, uh, we talked about this before when we talked about Seven and how Seven was lukewarmly received, I suppose, and now is considered a classic because it fucking is. But um, at the time the historical document will state that it was actually ahead of its time. You know, like, people just weren't ready for what that became, and it ended up being this... It's a zeitgeist movie now, because the zeitgeist moved to it. So I'll pay attention to critics as much as I pay attention to the movies at the time, and and, uh, this movie is fairly lax on a few things um, when it comes to socially appropriate behaviors uh, and things that are appropriate to put into a comedy movie but the critics don't think it's fresh they so like to, to us being kids it may have been the first time we were seeing this sort of stuff i grew up on jerry lewis so to me the, the progression from lewis to jim carrey was an easy one the progression from Jerry Lewis to Adam Sandler was like, I don't know, I've seen fart jokes before. I've seen physical comedy before. I've, you know, this is not new. T- and I wasn't thinking like that when I was eight, but subconsciously you probably are, right? And, and they're saying that it wasn't that fresh, I suppose. Oh, beep, hello. Who was that? Someone's just driven past. See you guys, have a great day. <laughs> uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel that fresh to me. And it's interesting that you say well, it's predictable now. Um... Yeah, that's how I felt when I was watching it. Like, I knew that when he he's, like, trying to serenade his currently leaving him girlfriend over the intercom, and it cuts back to him for a long, awkward time, I knew, maybe not that it was going to be a kid, but I knew that it was going to be, oh, look, it's going to be somebody else, and it's going to be seen as socially inappropriate. Um, and then, you know the Asian lady comes up and they have sex and it's like, that's funny because she's old and Asian. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, that's not funny, I guess. And that's because I'm watching it as a 33-year-old man, I suppose. I was going to say, uh, I wasn't that developed as an eight-year-old. Um, I was just like, ah! <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Well, I wouldn't have said fucking because I would have got my ass whooped. Um, no, I don't know. I just, I had that, you know... Uh, I guess depending on where you came, but I, you know, my parents did not expose me to Jerry Lewis. I can absolutely assure you. <laughs> I did like Adam Sandler, and I did like uh, Jim Carrey. Mm. I love Jim Carrey movies growing up as well. Uh, and you are you, you're right as well. Uh, with you know looking back on that, there are bits that hold up and bits that definitely don't. Shout out to my tattoo artist who tattooed uh, Ace Ventura on himself on his thigh. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's just a great tattoo. It's like, like just like a, like an image of Ace Ventura, or like a quote from yeah, it. Yeah, with, with like with like a caption around it. I, I can't even remember what it says now, but it, it's tremendous. I'll uh, I'll try and find it for you one day and show it, you because it's, it's great. It's either alrighty then, or it's like a glove. I would say. I think it's alrighty then. I can't confirm because it's been a long time since I looked at his uh, his naked thigh. <laughs> it's a shame, really. <laughs> To be honest. Yeah, like, well, just because of lockdown, you know. Um, Did you know that Happy Gilmore is an award-winning movie? Well, I assumed. 
It was award-winning movie. Uh, like a Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Award or something. Uh, very close. It was a nominee at Kids' Choice Awards for favourite movie. <laughs> it did not win that. I don't know what did. Um, it was a nominee at the Razzies for Worst Actor uh, for Adam Sandler. That's harsh. It was a nominee at the Stinkers Bad Awards for Worst Actor for Adam Sandler. That's harsh. At the MTV Movie and TV Awards, it was a nominee for Best Comedic Performance by Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. And it won Best Fight between Adam Sandler and Barker. Barker, yeah. The price is wrong, bitch. And and to, to be fair, that's beating action movies that year. I'm not sure exactly which action movies, but somewhere along the line, an action movie had a worse fight than... Happy Gilmore did. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, and as it should, it's you know, it's an award, uh, it's an award-winning movie, and, and you, it can say that. Now, I did have to laugh, as I said, I always IMDb stuff before before we record, just to have a look around, see see what comes up. And I know in real life, Adam Sandler is really great at basketball. Yeah, uh, plays a lot of basketball with like NBA players that pick up games and that. And there are NBA players who are like, look, probably not good enough to go pro, but he is a good, uh, a good basketball player. He, he holds his own. Uh, but one of the pieces of trivia on the Happy Gilmore section is in real life, Adam Sandler is terrible at both hockey and golf. Interesting. Like, so his his swing doesn't look that bad to me. I'm not a golf expert. But like, it looks reasonably natural, doesn't it? Like, yeah, like a sports yeah. person. Like, like I feel, I feel like most sporty kind of people can sort of transfer coordination across different disciplines. And I like, I, I, I believed it. I, I understand that that ball probably was not a real ball. It was probably, I don't know, cartoon or so. I don't know. I don't understand how that works. But like, there was, you know, uh, there was a believability to the fact that he could hit a ball pretty far. Hmm. You talk about an award-winning movie. Not too many movies could get World Golf Hall of Fame legend Lee Trevino to say, but Grizzly Adams did have a beard. I was wondering so, about some of these like really, really bad cameos. Like, wh- yeah. <laughs> like whether they were actually like real people or like I, I knew they were real people and not robots. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> a lot of random CGI in the background of the Adam Sandler movie. Uh, yeah, no, there was there was him and there was one other main golfer, and I, I know Bob Barker performed his own stunts. Yeah, right. Uh, he could he literally punch. knocked. He knocked back a, like, stuntman. Oh. Uh, there you go. There's Mark Lai, PGA golfer who talks to Happy at the cocktail party. Lee Trevino, the silent golfer who shakes his head in disbelief and says the line, Grizzly Adams did have a beard. And Nick Faldo, who is mentioned but never seen on screen. I, I did hear the word. I knew Faldo. I, I know that name. I'm not a big golf dude. I, I didn't know who Lee Trevino was. I, I saw that he was sort of used as a motif throughout the film to like when uh Carl Weathers goes flying out the window in you'd all you'd almost call it comedic fashion if it was funny. Um, <laughs> You're a fucking harsh man. <laughs> it's, I'm just thinking of it now. I fucking got him for you, Chubbs. 
But uh, here's the here's the thing, right? Like Carl Weathers is a professional actor. Do you reckon he was? Do you reckon he was told to act badly? Uh, well, I didn't think he did act badly in it, so I'm not oh. sure where you're trying to go. And I'm, anyone who's seen um, Arrested Development knows that uh, that Carl Weathers is very much a professional actor. Yes, he's one of the great, one of the greats. <laughs> great maker of stew. Dennis Dugan, he is the director of this movie. This he was also in the movie in some sort of bit role that I couldn't care less about. Um, he. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, thank you very much. Siri, show me phoning it in. <laughs> uh, this this movie is not worth my effort. I don't know. Uh, so we got he directed Big Daddy, which is another Adam Sandler movie. He directed The Bench Warmers. He directed I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which is horrifically. That's that's the that's the remake. The um. The uh, original was an Australian movie called The Strange Bedfellows with Michael. There you go. I thought, I thought it was just an original movie with the same name. There you go. No, yeah. So I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry was basically a concept just straight ripped from uh, a movie that stars Michael Caton and Paul Hogan as The Strange yeah, Bedfellows. Yeah. I've seen Strange Bedfellows. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, he also directed You Don't Mess with the Zohan. So that's fun. Uh, he <laughs> also. He also directed Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. He directed Just Go With It and Jack and Jill. This man is a disaster. This guy gets paid to hang out with Adam Sandler. That's that's Let's really be it, yeah, right? And like a lot of the time, he's paid to make comedies that aren't that funny. Like, The Benchwarmers is not funny. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry is not funny. You don't mess with the Zohan is not funny. Jack and Jill is abhorrently bad and very unfunny. Like, to the yep. point that it's like, I mean, they got Al Pacino in that movie just hamming it and just ruining his career. It's like, to me, it's just like, it's offensive. So I, I don't know how this guy gets paid to do stuff. I hope he listens to this and thinks about it's, his choices. Oh, well, of course he does. It's the same as that whole group of guys that have enveloped themselves around Adam Sandler, the ones that go in all those movies, like David Spade. Kevin James. Uh, Kevin James. Yeah. They just get paid to hang out with Adam Sandler. And at some point, Chris Rock, like at some point, Nick Swardson's another one. At some point, a camera comes out and some shit happens. Like, they just hang out. That's all it is. They're on holiday with Adam Sandler, who's just occasionally like, hey, go over there and say this shit. And someone films it. And, you know, Netflix will give us a six movie, five bazillion dollar deal because... They don't care about how good things there are. They know people still watch them. People watch modern day Adam Sandler movies, which is fucking horrific. I it, it actually really frames the way that I think about Adam Sandler because I used to be of the opinion because of movies like Happy Gilmore, uh, you know, fucking Big Daddy, Little Nicky, like all this just hot trash. Right there, there are some okay movies in the mix. Uh, like the wedding singer is okay, you know. Happy Gilmore. Uh, you know, de- depending on opinion. <laughs> um, Fifty first dates, depending on opinion. Click until the very end of it is not so bad. Um, like you know, there's there's some okay stuff in there, but for the very 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 most part, Adam Sandler's wealth and empire is built on absolute steaming hot garbage. Oh and- yeah. 
and, and, and mass producing it for the masses. Uh, and to me, it's just like, it weakens our culture. Like I, I, I'm, I actually just right now, I've just started a thesis on the link between the dumbing down of the Western culture to the point that we have anti-vaxxers running wild throughout the world and Adam Sandler's popularity as a celebrity. Um, Do you think this is like some sort of CIA style? <laughs> I'm not saying that necessarily. I, I'm not saying... Correlation. You're saying there's a correlation, but not necessarily a causation. Yeah, I'm not saying that he was trying to do it. I'm not saying he's a bad person. And I'm, I'm, I'm not anymore saying that he's an untalented actor. I used to sit there and say that he was the most untalented person in Hollywood. And I used to have that opinion. It was maybe about six or seven years ago. And I used to have that opinion and I used to be very, very strong on it. And it was actually an acting friend of mine. She actually called me out on it one day and said, this sounds exactly like somebody that has not seen Punch Drunk Love. Adam Sandler can act. He just fucking chooses not to. <laughs> like, that's, that's the infuriating thing for me now. It's like yeah. that he can, but he just doesn't. Think about it. I know there are some people who would be like, you know, I want to do my best and make something worthwhile. But there are so many people that would just be like, I will absolutely do half a job and get paid a million bucks for it. Yeah. Like, don't all have high standards. No, that's right. Um, and it's actually quite smart. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, he's doing, let's be honest, minimal work, hanging out with his mates and companies like Netflix just throw cash in his direction. Because, I mean, we know Netflix, they tighten things up a little bit and they make, you know, some cinematic masterpieces in an effort to try and win awards and stuff like that, like mm -hmm. most production companies. But for so long, their whole business model was just quantity. Yes. We want more movies, more original stuff, more content that we own so that we don't have to buy back catalogs of, of other people's content. So they're just punching out movie after movie after movie for whatever it costs to get shit done. They don't give a shit. And, you know, Adam Sandler's the guy that's like, all right, yeah, you... And let's be honest, the guys at Netflix that made those decisions are probably around about our age, and they've gone, shit, Happy Gilmore was funny as fuck when I was a kid. Let's <laughs> give that guy a bunch of money and see what he does. And then we get, like, Hubie Halloween or whatever the fuck he's making on Netflix at the moment, <laughs> which is just straight trash. Yeah. You've heard of the Hateful Eight. You've heard of the Magnificent Seven. Now, the Ridiculous Six. Like, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> come It's on. so great that you point that out because I did read a Rotten Tomatoes article that ranked all 45 of Adam Sandler's movies. And of all his movies, The Ridiculous Six was the lowest ranked. It was the worst mm. of all his movies. And it sucked. Well, I, I didn't for, pay the effort to, to watch it myself. It sounds like you have. Look, I did. And it was one of those ones that I was just sitting there one day and it was like, you might like this. And I was like, probably not, but let's find out. And I like uh, both Will Forte and Steve Buscemi. So I was like, you mm -hmm. know, it's always nice to see them. Hope they're doing all right. Hope they got some cash for this. Because uh, uh, holy fuck. It was a bad movie. We can go into probably his bottom five. Uh, I'd be curious to see what that list is. I reckon if I was going to have a wager, I reckon Jack and Jill would absolutely be in that bottom five. And I reckon Blended yep. would be right there with it. Jack and Jill is number 44 mm. out of 45. 
And you said blended? Yeah. Oh, it's very high. Number 35. Ooh, that's still... I mean, like, that that means he's got 34 movies better than that. Like, Look, that's... One of which is, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry at Fuck. 34. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, like... Like okay, so what's your relationship with Adam Sandler then, uh, as a as a as a movie star? I assume you don't know him personally, so I'll, I'll beat you to that. <laughs> yeah, very close. Yeah. <laughs> we, brunch, we brunch occasionally, you know. Uh, uh, I've, I've heard that as 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 you have heard, I've heard that he's very 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 good at basketball. I've heard he's even better in a boardroom. Like yeah, I think I don't think he's a dumb fella. That's for sure. And you don't become rich and successful by being dumb. No, uh, I think he's actually quite a smart fella. Who, as I said, just probably doesn't all that much care about what he's putting out. Um, mm. I he's very hit or miss. And as you said, I know he can act because I've seen movies like Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. uh, which I fucking loved. Oh, he just ri- loved he it. Ripped that up, didn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. I had no idea what to expect. I saw it uh, advertised and uh, well, you know, I saw it floating around. You don't really see movies advertised anymore, I think. Um, and someone was like, oh, no, check it out. Like, it's really good. Because I, I was in that whole phase that Adam Sandler is putting out all these Netflix movies and they suck. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to bother. Uh, but this came on. I watched it. It was so good. And, mm. I mean, as you said, it it's further proof that the dude can act. Oh shit! Yeah, when he wants, to. yeah, and you can put him in in a role, and he can he can take over that role, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a comedic role. Mm-hmm. But I'm also fully aware that he he has phoned in a lot of crap. So like, I I go into if you're going to say here's an Adam Sandler movie, I will watch that with a lot of skepticism. If I choose to watch it, I'll be like, nah, like sort of a little bit after Happy Gilmore. I remember sort of not minding anger management when I was young. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Jack Nicholson, it's got, not for this reason as a kid, but now, like, my, my celebrity crush is probably Marissa Tomei. And oh, yeah. she's in that movie, and, and I just adore her. So, you know, it's like, okay, that was a good movie. Uh, I didn't like, you know, Big Daddy I thought was crap. Billy mm. Madison was average. You Don't Mess With The Zohan. Fucking awful. Awful movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of which I just mentioned there were in his top 20 in this, in this list, mind you. Um, <laughs> oh I'm going to be honest, like the wedding singer, the wedding singer made top five, but yeah. so did funny, funny people. Look, I, which I, I can deal with that. Sucked. Oh no, I can deal with funny people. I can deal with funny Look, people. In the context of the shit behind it. Yeah, sure. But holy crap, there's some, there's some garbage in that, uh, in that backlog, yeah, that, you're dead right about that. I, um, I, I've, I, I may well have been the person that recommended uh, Uncut Gems to you. I, I vaguely remember somebody that I thought would absolutely love it, but was being very hesitant about it. And I think that might be exact conversation we had, man. Yeah, and then I was like, oh no, man, you've got to because it's absolutely brilliant, and it is. And here's a hot take for you: he's funnier in Uncut Gems than he is in Happy Madison. Oh, sorry, Happy Gilmore. Or Billy Madison, for that matter. I think he's funnier in Uncut Gems because he's not trying as hard. He's just naturally a yeah. funny guy. There is that natural, natural bit to it. And like, on that note, like he did a. I don't know if you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's probably a little bit formulaic and basic bitch for you. No, I don't mind um, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I haven't watched it in recent seasons though. 
he he did a little cameo in that, and it was it was just him being himself, and it was amusing. Like he's he's at an antique an antiques uh, auction, and they're like, "Holy crap, that's Adam Sandler!" He's like, "Yeah, I'm a real person. I'm a serious person. Like, fuck off." <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. Uh, just little things like that. I think he can poke fun at himself and also have a bit of a laugh. Uh, but I'm mostly just. I think he's nailed life. Like he hangs out with his mates. He gets a bunch of cash. He just goes around playing pick up ball all over the place. Like he's doing what I think I would do if I was loaded. Just mm. chilling, you know? And, and I mean, it's hard, as, as we've discussed, it's hard to deny that he is a talented person. What is your podium of out of Sandler movies? All right. Bronze, my bronze medal would be and I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say it's uh it's Billy Madison at three. Okay. Uh Happy Gilmore at two with the silver medal and an uncut gems with the gold. Very cool. So it's the, so two and three um fairly driven by nostalgia, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm self aware enough to know that. Yeah, I, I think there's there's room for that, isn't there? Like, it's like, we're not talking about his best or his objectively the best. We're talking about our favourites, like what makes your podium. And, um, you know, like, for example, if we're going to do a, a top 10 movies of all time for me, like my top 10 favourite movies ever, Rain Man is in it. Now, Rain Man, I acknowledge, has flaws and problems and is not in the top 10 movies ever made. Um, and there's movies outside the top 10, like 2001, a space odyssey that are better movies than rain man, but I love it. You know, I just love it. So, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Nostalgia, what it means to me with autistic brother, all that sort of stuff. It all, it all meshes together. So I totally understand the whole bad choices you've made there. Um, (laughs) sorry, I was, I was trying to build up for a joke there. It didn't quite land. Yeah, I'm sitting here still waiting for it. I'm like, <laughs> I think he's coming. I think a joke's coming. I don't know. Um, no, like I. Where he goes with this. Suffice to say, I haven't. I wouldn't have watched Happy Gilmore if, if it wasn't for this podcast. And now that I have, I think it has very little merit. Um, but I do think uh, very little merit as a comedy. I don't think it's very funny. But I do think it's got some heart. I, I think it's got more heart than a lot of the movies that he comes out with, and. I think part of the reason I don't like it is because I'm sick of everything that he does. Well, not everything, but most things that he does with that whole yeah. man-child like shtick. Sandler saturation is very much a thing. Yeah, and and, and Billy Madison, too much of him. Billy Madison, and Happy Gilmore I have the benefit of being before saturation was a problem. Yeah. So I haven't seen Billy Madison for probably a couple of decades. I haven't, I wouldn't have watched Happy Gilmore if not for that. I totally agree with your gold medal choice though. Uncut Gems, I think comfortably his best film. We've spoken off air about this before, how you love Joker and I don't love Joker. I would absolutely, that year for the Oscars, I would have replaced Joaquin Phoenix out of the best actor race because fuck that shit. That was horseshit. And I would put Adam Sandler for uncut gems in his place who wins the actual 
trophy at that point. I'd have to think about it, uh, go back and think about it. But I think he was genuinely one of the top five performances that year. And I saw a lot of movies. <laughs> like, I'm talking like... No. I'm talking like... Um, I, see, I've had this argument before where people sit there and say, Joker was like a top five movie that year. And I'm like, I would have it outside the top 75 that I saw. Um, <laughs> like, it just seems personal at that point. Yeah, but like, but like, I, I just, I just really hated it. I really hated it, and you know, whatever. Like, people love it. Um, suffice to say, you would have probably also. Yeah, maybe loved I'm just Joaquin. an incel. Maybe I'm just an incel, but did you ever think of that? <laughs> maybe I just oh, yeah. looked at him and thought, "That's There's what I want to be." Relate to, yeah. And I'm going to go on Reddit and tell my friends about it. Well, that was part of the problem, was that there was a lot of people that took that movie a bit too, like... I think there's, I think there's a difference between understanding that anti-heroes can be fine and glorifying bad people or troubled people. There is a lot of dick worship uh, yeah. around terrible people. And I think it's like you see all the... To this day, there are still so many men who are like, yeah, fucking Fight Club, one of my favourite movies. Uh, you know, I really resonate. And it's like you resonated with the extreme toxic masculinity in that movie. That's not the great thing that you think it is, my friend. Yes. Uh, there is a lot of that where people misidentify with totally shit people. Like every time I watch uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, I identify so much with Sir Lancelot because I just want to go to Castle Anthrax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now there's a fucking throwback. Um <laughs> No, you know what I mean? It's so easy to cross that line from unpacking and, and I guess, trying to uh, portray an anti-hero in certain ways that with fully, like, diving into that whole rhetoric and just being super wound up in, in that personality, which people do, and generally they're pretty shit people, I think, but I don't know. It's not my right to support people shit people. I'm still do it. Uh, but it's not my right to do it. Before I jump into my podium, I, I want to do like a, I guess you might call this like some sort of like straw man with you. Um, as a percentage. Now, recently, just for context, we're right in the uh, in the throes of uh, the worst case numbers we've seen for COVID in this country, particularly in Victoria and New South Wales, which is uh, overseas listeners would recognise New South Wales from Sydney and Victoria from Melbourne, right? There are two biggest cities. Melbourne. Melbourne and and Sydney from the... Sydney. And there's a lot going on there and a lot of anger about lockdowns, uh, a lot of misinformation out there about the efficacy of vaccines and, and, uh, and masks and, and all this sort of stuff. And a lot of these people that, and there's a lot of protests at the moment, they're called freedom marches or freedom protests. And I'm trying to be as down the middle as I can right now, Dan, but it's kind of hurting me because I think they're just the biggest bunch of fuckwits out there at the moment. Like, they're right up there for me. I, now, think, I think we can unashamedly say this is a pro-vaccination podcast. Oh, absolutely. I'm very proudly double-dosed. Double and are you as well? Or on your oh, way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're double-dosed. I'm double-dosed with that Pfizer gang stuff. Yeah, me what, too. What? <laughs> and, um... And whatever. Like, you know, they, they cite things like the Charter of Rights and stuff, but they just don't understand. 
Because I think their favourite movies, and as a percentage, how many of these angry white men do you think have a favourite movie that is either Fight Club or Joker? Now, I'm not, I'm not having... A, I like Fight Club. I don't like Joker, but I, I think you like both. I'm not having a go at people that like those movies. But I'm saying there's a fair bit of fuckwit crossover. The Venn diagram is is alarming to me, and it's, it's straw man and anecdotal, but I reckon there'd be a fair fucking chunk of those dudes that are like, yeah, Fight Club, yeah, Joker, yeah, Freedom. Conservatively, 75%. It'd be right up there, wouldn't it? Or yeah, if it's not their favourite, they'd fucking love it. Yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. It, there would be, like, a significant amount of guys that would look at those sort of movies and movies of similar similar substance uh, and rhetoric. Uh, you know, there's some big words. Uh, and you can throw The Wolf of Wall Street in there too, uh, which is another oh. movie I like, but I think there were, there were a lot of knobheads whose takeaway from that was how good is cocaine and strippers? Yes. Uh, instead of, hey, that criminal ripped off a lot of people and ruined a lot of lives. You know, uh, another glorification of a complete fucking moron. And... Jordan Belfort still buys into that. He's on social media as the Wolf of Wall Street and doing this and that, and he's just a complete knobhead as well. Uh, so there's no sitting on the fence on this side uh, <laughs> or, or being politically correct about it. If you identify with that, if you attended a, a, a free dumb rally, fuck off. Don't Indeed. Don't hit me with this bullshit. Fuck off. And, and it's worth mentioning, by the way, Wolf of Wall Street, the book, I think, is pro-Belfort. Wolf of Wall Street, the movie, is a cautionary tale. Um, and that's that's a distinction worth noting, but I think it's a nuance that is lost on a lot of people that, that think with their fists. <laughs> like, like I, don't, I just don't think there's a lot of thinking going on, you know? Um, yeah, 100%. There, I think there's a lot of surface-level gratifica- uh, gratification in movies like that. Um, and if you don't want to look deeper, you're, you're really not forced to, um, and that is your right. You don't have to watch every movie and think, oh, you know, what's the subtext here? But if you're looking at Wolf of Wall Street and your takeaway is the party scene uh, and that sort of shit, you're probably a knobhead. Yeah. Like, it's like, how fucking, how fucking good are ludes? Look at how he loses control of his life and loses everything he cares about. Whoa. Like, fuck but off. Man, he had a fucking good time. Oh, man. Whatever. Live fast, die young. Go and do it. I don't care, but don't hurt other Unfortunately, not, apparently. He's <laughs> still breathing. So, uh, <laughs> no, look, I don't wish death on anyone, but uh, no. you know what I mean. Let's, let's move uh, on to my podium. What do you say? Still- um, worth mentioning, by the way. So basically the point of that little diatribe was that Adam Sandler was unbelievably good in Uncut Gems. I'm like, to the point that I'm saying unbelievably, as in I did not believe he could be that good, but he was. He was He was just astonishingly good in that movie. So uh, that gets my number one spot. There's no mystery about that. Um, so I'm going to go reverse order then. My number two is a movie called Punch Drunk Love. Um, have you seen Punch Rock Love? No. I believe it's available on Netflix. Uh, it certainly has been previously. That's where I watched it. At the recommendation of my friend who was convinced that Adam Sandler could act. And you know what? He can. It's made by a guy named Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, who has made movies like The Master, There Will Be Blood, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, um... He's a wonderful filmmaker, one of the best of his generation, and he gets this really, really sweet 
and naive performance out of Adam Sandler that is just, it's a lovely movie, um, so well told, and he is just so, so good in it. Not quite Uncut Gems good, because that is a rare thing, but uh, very, very, very good in Punch Drunk Love. So while it's a bit more on the romantic side of things, it's a bit funny as well. It's funny just because Adam Sandler is funny naturally when he's not trying too hard to gross people out or be a man child. And that's why you'll find no man children in my top three, because the third is uh, a movie called The Mayor, Mayor Owitz Stories. The Mayor Owitz Stories. It's a Netflix production, so it's on Netflix. Uh, it's directed by a guy named Noah Baumbach uh, and written by him as well. I think he would be most famous for writing and directing the uh, Marriage Story that came out a couple of years ago. It had Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Um uh, that's also, the yeah, the memes are very famous where he, where he, <laughs> where he punches the wall and stuff. Uh, Is that where good soup comes from? Good, I don't know. I, that doesn't ring a bell. I saw the movie oh, a couple of on, times. You're not on TikTok, are you? No, I'm not uh, on TikTok. I feel like that's where it's from, but it's like Adam's, Adam Driver just go, good soup. Uh, and it's just become like a viral thing on... Uh, no. Uh, no, it's from an episode of Girls ah, that'll on be HBO. It. That'll okay. be it. Yeah, because I, I don't recognise that. Um, he also made Francis Ha, which is another um, very well-known movie in certain circles, I suppose. Um, and The Mayor Witch Stories stars him, uh, stars... Uh, sorry, Adam Sandler, that is. Ben Stiller and Dustin Hoffman. And Emma Thompson, actually, as well. And it's, this, it's kind of this story of... Um, Adam Sandler is this dad of this teenage girl and she's an out there like artist like her little short films are fucking berserk like softcore porn berserk stuff and it's very funny um but he's you know he's a sensitive guy he's an artist himself very good at piano as Adam Sandler is in real life so he sort of sings and does piano in the in the movie it's lovely stuff um and Dustin Hoffman plays this artist dad who's too good for them, you know, kind of thing. And and Ben Stiller plays this brother who is probably also a bit too good, like the corporate brother, you know. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's like it's sweet. It, it it is a comedy in the true sense of the word, but I suppose you most people would probably call it an offbeat comedy, um, kind of like a quirky kind of comedy. But it's a bit cerebral at times. Um, is it a bit hipster? I think hip, the hipster crowd would like it. Uh, I I wouldn't identify it particularly as hipster personally. Because I'll be honest, and I'm, look, I'm not proud of this, uh, but I just I looked at what Noah Bombach looks like, and that's definitely <laughs> a kid I would have bullied at school. He looks like a hipster, yes. Yeah, um, I would have bullied the fuck out of that kid at school. He's I'm married, not proud of that. But. He's married to Greta Gerwig, though, and she's pretty cute, so he's doing okay for himself. She's also... Uh, a director herself, uh, an actor as well, but she directed um, Little Women that came out a couple of years ago. She directed Lady Bird, came out about four years ago. Um, so she's very successful in watch both. I watched both of those opening day. I was pumped. <laughs> they, were both fan- <laughs> they were both fantastic movies, both top three of the year. Um, but yes, long story short, um, I prefer Adam Sandler when he's moving away from that Happy Madison brand. And he's moving into roles where he can still be funny. 
like his stand-up stuff is sometimes quite funny. Um, I've seen some of his old SNL skits. Some of them are pretty funny. The guy's a funny dude. Um, unfortunately, he spends a lot of his energy, as you say, he's living his best life. Good luck to him. I suppose a lot of people would choose that too. But uh, for me, as someone that likes to absorb meaningful art or me, or just anything remotely meaningful, um, Jack and Jill just doesn't cut it for me. I'm stunned to hear it. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about uh favorite quotes you must have a few i don't really have any so um i'm empty on this one i did not enjoy the movie at all i i will say this though there was one bit that was so bad i laughed um oh, i'm curious it was it was during that you know the big final tournament and um I think Happy Gilmore was like maybe just behind Shooter McGavin on the on the scoreboard, on the leaderboard, and there's this guy. Uh, he's just in the crowd. I, I assume. I no, it's not the heckler, jackass. No, it's not that guy. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's um, it's some random guy. He can't be an extra because extras don't have speaking lines. So he's just some dude that's in there. I've got no idea why. I don't think he's a golfer. Um, I'm trying to use descriptive words that don't come across r- racial, but I'm just gonna say he's like he's like an African American guy, kind of big, and he just sits there and says. Come on, Happy Gilmore, keep going. Shooter McGavin will choke, or something like that. And it's just—it's mm. so bad. Like, there's no reason for it. It's in the middle of a—it's in the middle of a montage. We can see that you know Happy's struggling at this point. Um, you have the uh, narration by the sports commentators that are telling you that he's struggling. You know, like, it's very obvious that he's struggling. And then you get this random guy that acts terribly completely shuts down the momentum of the scene by cutting to him for a static take of come on happy Gilmore you can do it shooting a McGavin is going to choke do you know what I I'm talking suggest, about I, I vaguely do I would suggest uh, unneeded vaguely annoying static shot of someone yelling out inane crap that, that doesn't really impact is the perfect summation of what happens at most live sporting events. Uh, he's not yelling it out. He's he's saying it the way that I just said it. Like, yeah. like it's just like Shooter McGavin will choke. It's like uh, what? Just in case anyone was getting worried, you know, eight year old dad might have been sitting. There, Fuck, he's not going to win. Yeah, and like, what does choke mean? And like, um, <laughs> but like. Because, like, the rest of that movie, Adam Sandler's character, who I just, for some reason, did not call Happy Gilmore in this moment. Um, <laughs> What's the name of that character? That, the guy Adam Sandler played in Happy Gilmore. What is his name? Like, if you, the, the thing about early Adam Sandler movies the is... The bus you can, that wouldn't slow down. <laughs> the thing about Adam Sandler movies in the early days is you can just never remember the main character's name. Um, <laughs> always buried away <laughs> yeah it's like you know the wedding singer I don't know I, I generally don't know that one but like Billy Madison who would know I don't know um, <laughs> Happy Gilmore so uh, like he, Happy Gilmore was a likely candidate to literally choke Shooter McGavin 
um, mm. the way that he carried on, which is very unhealthy. Um, he, like, I find it hard to believe that anyone would have tolerated this behavior, not least the fucking law enforcement. Like, come on, guys. Like, that guy is in prison. That guy's in prison. Oh, I don't know. Have you seen America these days? <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on over there. Was he carrying a gun? No. Well, then he should be in prison because everyone should carry yeah. a gun. He couldn't have been a good guy with a gun. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I've just been thinking about some of my favorite quotes. I should mention, uh, I say this every single time I've ever played putt-putt golf. Uh-oh. Happy learned how to putt. <laughs> Uh, which my wife has never laughed at once. <laughs> I don't know. There's the easy quotes. You know, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast? That, actually, Dumb I didn't quote. mind that one. I didn't mind that one. That one's okay. The funny line, Lee Trevino, Grizzly Adams did have a beard. Because uh, what, like, what a dumb thing. Like, yeah, right. And Grizzly Adams had a beard. You're not saying that in a fight. Every single word that Bob Barker said was funny. Like, just the whole Bob Barker thing. I like the happy place where, you know, Grandma's there winning the pokies and Julie Bowen's in lingerie. Uh, and there's a little person riding a bike with a top hat on from memory. That is odd, yeah. Um, but I actually found that more sweet because of Grandma winning the pokies. Yeah. And, like... Grandma was just an underrated great character. Like, she was putting up with some shit, but she put the Kiss mask on when he was a kid. And I love Kiss, so she got me on side. She was, she was a super important character because she acted as the narrative through line that tied together whatever the fuck nonsense was going on. Between, like, diving for balls in water and, and wrestling alligators to death and just, like, whatever nonsense they wanted to put on screen. Like, whether you find it funny or not... I'm not having a criticism at this point. I'm just saying it is nonsense because a lot of it does not make sense by the truest definition. But she's the through line, right? She's what ties yeah, everything 100%. together. 100%. And look, you're, you're spot on there. Narrative-wise, the whole story doesn't make any sense without without the, the grandma losing her house. Um, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense either. Grandma, you haven't been paying your taxes? I'm fairly sure grandma's not working enough to earn... $275,000 worth of a tax fucking problem in 10 years. Again, if, you know, minimum wage in America, man. That place is fucked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one, a couple of my other favorites, uh, when Happy and his, uh, his caddy are looking at a putt, uh, you know, i got to make some money. What do you think? Slightly downhill. And the, the caddy's like, it's slanting left. And Happy's like, no, it just seems that way because you've only got one shoe on. <laughs> uh, and sort of looks down he's just got the one shoe on uh, and I do like it like when the whole idea is like he's bringing these yobbos and dickheads out to golf which is only for the most refined people to watch and the, the announcer's like quite a large and economically diverse crowd here at the Michelob Invitational I guess it's new tour sensation Happy Gilmore who's attracting all sorts of people to this beautiful course and you've got like Bikey's getting off with boom boxes and cartons of beer and shit. Like, I can see how you know it's cliche, but I can see how that uh, that contrast between uh, the the normal golf going public and the uh, the people who are uh, attracted to Happy Gilmore's brand of golf might be a little bit different. 
It's, um, okay, let's do this. As Happy Gilmore as social commentary. What do you think is trying to say? Because at certain points there, I genuinely got the impression that Happy Gilmore is a very, very, I won't say socialist, because not, <laughs> but like kind of anti-capitalist, kind of anti-government, kind of anti-elitist. It's actually very anti-elitist. Um, he's a libertarian. I think he's a libertarian. Yeah. Just everyone leave me alone. I'm going to go do my thing. Now, obviously, we've talked about this actually off-air, uh, the stigmatization of certain characters in media. Now, while it, it certainly champions the idea of, hey, golf shouldn't just be for snobs, uh, it also says, yeah, but when you bring the non-snobs to golf, they start fights and throw clubs at people. Like, <laughs> like so my take Which on we this is... Well, that's true. Yes, I, I have been known to uh, decapitate people. Um, I would I would say it's trying to send a message, but it sends it clumsily. Would you agree? I think so. And look, maybe that's on, on our old mate Dennis. Uh, is it Dennis Dugan or Duggan? Dugan, yeah. Correct? I think so, Dugan. Uh, there's, you know, I imagine at some point he's gone, you know, let's let's put this little overarching societal commentary in the movie, Adam, and Adam's like, sure, whatever. And it's not going to be well handled because, well, it's Dennis Dugan. Which <laughs> um, <laughs> just seems very harsh. But, but you're a professional friend. That's that's what your job is. Yeah, really. Um, that's that's really it. I think he's a professional yes man, To the more to the point. Like, hey, man, should I wrestle this alligator and kill it? Yes, Adam, let's do that. Fucking oath you should, Adam. Let's do this. <laughs> I mean, did you even need to ask? Holy fuck. Uh, what a genius. I'm going to have to go and rewatch The Benchwarmers, though, because I remember kind of liking that when I was, like, 18 when it first came out, which is a bit too old to have enjoyed it from memory. But I remember having a laugh at it, so. Let's talk about Christopher McDonald, best, best known as... Shooter McGavin. Now, this is the guy that was in Thelma and Louise in somewhat of a bit part. He was in Quiz Show in 1994, which is a very underseen and underrated movie. Um, and then he was in Happy Gilmore. And he's been in a lot of stuff, Christopher McDonald. Like, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. He's got 216 acting credits, for example. Most of it is just, like, an episode here or there of whatever the fuck. How do you rate his performance as Shooter McGavin? Do you think that he'll ever be able to... The man is now, oh, like 67 years old. Do you think that he's just going to be Shooter McGavin until the day he dies? Yeah, he has been very much uh, typecast as that character. Um, And I think he was great in it because he had... He's very, very capable of carrying off the air of, of arrogance and... Uh, the whole I'm I'm better than you. He um, there's another show I didn't mind. It's usually the antithesis to what I what I enjoy. But Ballers, uh, sort of Dwayne Johnson and uh, and what's that little ball fella's name? Rob uh, whatever. Uh, he Christopher McDonald plays the um, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, which in real life Jerry Jones is this huge you know, uh, dominant, arrogant, stuck-up wanker, basically. And he, he's able to carry that same energy. The guy I was thinking of is Rob Corddry. 
Um, oh, yeah, I know him. He's from The Office. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, he like he's he's able to come in and play some of those roles. But as you said, he he sort of cameos in and out, you know, swings in and out of of TV shows. Like he's done the the usual, like everybody's been on Law and Order at some point uh, because there's five bazillion episodes. He he did cameo in one of my absolute. Have you ever seen a TV show called The League? No. So it might be the sort of thing you resonate with. Not so much. You're not an NFL fan, but it's uh, it's a series about guys that have their own fantasy football league, mm. and it goes for like six, seven seasons. It's tremendous. Um, it's got uh, Steve Ranazzisi, Nick Kroll, Mark Duplass. There's uh, John LaHoy as well. Mm. Uh, just a great show, um, and he comes in as a judge in that. And it's again, it's the same thing. He's he's very arrogant as as this big, larger than life judge who owns the scene and is uh, is sort of overtaking proceedings with his own fantasy football knowledge and, and questions and things like that. So it's, you know, very similar sort of character again, but I think he's Shooter McGavin and he'll always be Shooter McGavin at this point, so... Isn't that fascinating? Like, you can have, like, uh, a successful career. Like, like there are so many actors out there, including friends of mine, that would kill to have 216 acting credits recognized on IMDb, and most of them being, like, you know, TV shows that actually aired. And he, uh, he'll always be Shooter McGavin, uh, which I'm not sure... I'm not sure how he would feel about that, because he seems like someone that has some talent, has been in some good stuff. Ballers, I have You have to come watched, to terms but, with that, don't you? At yeah. that point, like... I think you just have to be like, well, this is, you know, this is the one that stuck. Yeah. Like, he's been, as you said, some good movies. And, and even beyond the ones you mentioned, like he was in Grumpy Old Men. Uh, he was in um, Flubber uh, for those uh, ah. Robin Williams fans out there. Yeah, I remember uh, Flubber. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not the best Robin Williams movie, but any movie with Robin Williams is okay in my book. Mm. Um, Requiem for a Dream. He yep. was in. Yeah, very uh, small role in Requiem, but yes, you're right. Yeah, like he's not like he, but he's getting a credited role. He's not showing up to to hand out sandwiches on on the Sunday afternoon shoot. No, you're right. Uh, and, and let's not forget his role as Mister Stifler in American Pie presents Beta House, <laughs> <laughs> or Dean Simmons in the House Bunny. Oh wow! Uh, really life changing roles. Versatile. I think you'd say he's versatile. Uh, Chris McDonald. Uh, at what point in your life are you on set with Anna Faris filming The House Bunny and think, fuck my life? <laughs> you know who did make it out of out of the stigma of being uh, Virginia Bennett? It's uh, it's Julie Bowen. She kicked yeah. on. She, uh, in a very major way, she chose correctly with Modern Family. I'm not a huge fan personally. I never watched much of it, but it's a very successful show and she was one of the absolute central characters as Claire Dunphy. Yeah, she had a big role on uh, Boston Legal as well, one of my favourite shows, uh, as one of the the main lawyers in that. She was in that for quite some time as well. Mm. Um, but she's she's not forgotten her roots because she was in Hubie Halloween as well. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, she still pays homage to Adam occasionally. Yeah, I think he probably set her on a on a path there. Um, yeah, good luck to her. I, I quite like her as, as like, the episodes that I've seen of One Family have been fine, and she seems good. 
in that role. So good luck to her. Frances Bay, unfortunately, uh, the grandma, of course, she was in a movie called Blue Velvet, which is just astonishingly good. Like, just astonishingly good movie. She's also in uh, the Matthew Broderick version of Inspector Gadget. And she was in The Wedding Planner, starring Jennifer Lopez and a pre-McConaughey's Matthew McConaughey. So, you know, that's... Am I right in assuming she's dead now? You are correct, yeah. She's, she passed away at the age of 92, a good innings, uh, in 2011. So she saw some stuff. She's actually Canadian, Frances Bay. That explains why I like her so much. Um, <laughs> so generally, if you like an American, you find out they're Canadian. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It's like the... Um, there, there is, of course, exceptions to the rule. I find, like, a Justin Bieber, for example. But, like... Um, <laughs> But you know, most of them are pretty nice people. I find. Um, let's talk. Let's, that's um, that's pretty much it, actually. For, for what about Adam. Carl Weathers. Carl, oh, good, good call, What's Carl, Carl Weathers. Well, um, well, you mentioned the Arrested Development bit. That was hilarious. Him with with T- Tobias, right? Tobias Funke. Tobias Funke. I love that show so much. Yeah, and he's just like ripping him off, getting cash out of him as an acting coach. <laughs> oh, no, you save those bones. You throw them in with a little, you know, you got yourself a stew. Do you think they're playing on the fact that Carl Weathers is actually not a very good actor? I think it's very possible. Yeah. Uh, he, I didn't mind him. He actually, I don't know if he, one of my favourite shows of the last few years, The Mandalorian, uh, he plays a, a, a reasonably big role in that uh, across a handful of episodes and uh, he, he plays it well. Well, credit where it's due. I haven't seen The Mandalorian, so, but I have heard it's a good oh, show. Great. Even for non-Star Wars fans. Yeah, I, see, that's the thing. I, I, I'm not really a big Star Wars person, um, but like pretty much the entire series, in fact, the nine main movies, um, I would say half of them are aggressively bad. Um, it's like you're just trying to say, oh, you fucking hate me, all right? <laughs> um, big, part of my, big part of my personality is liking Star Wars, so... But, like, even uh, the bad ones? Like, even, even like, nine? I just fucking love it all. Oh, wow. I'm not one of those Star Wars fans that can be bothered to get into arguments about what's good and what's not, and what should be canon and what shouldn't. I'm just like, shut the fuck up and enjoy the fact that we have so much more Star Wars content than we ever thought we would have possible. Because Disney are milking the fuck out of it. But they're doing it well. So, uh, like my dad, no interest in Star Wars whatsoever. Watched The Mandalorian. Loved it. Okay. It's just like, it's basically a, it's basically an old Western set in space. So, Well, that's what Star Wars is. Star Wars is a Western. Yeah, but it's it's a proper breakdown and really pushing that into its into its base elements uh, by Jon Favreau and, and all those guys. Like, they just do such a good job. I do like Favreau. I, I, Favreau, most things that he touches turns to gold. Um, yeah, so he's, he's got the Midas touch, for mm, sure. Yeah. Um, did you see Chef, the movie that he Chef. made? Yeah, he start, acted, directed and, and starred in it. Uh, it's like him being a, like a, a chef at a restaurant, chucking the shit. No, you don't say. Uh, going, <laughs> yeah, shock, right? <laughs> it's it's in the title, Happy Gilmore, um, and it's it's uh, he goes and basically starts his own food truck and has a great time doing it, and uh, it's a very feel good, happy movie, really. Um, but he's it, it shouldn't work as well as it does, but Favreau just has that touch. But he up. does that, yeah. He takes things that should be a bit cheap, a bit cheesy, and a bit like oh okay, and makes you gets you invested in them. I reckon. 
case in point, basically, let's talk about Disney. Basically, all, all of those recent remakes have been dog shit. Like, basically all of them, except for Jungle Book, which he directed. Yeah. Um, he was, he, he just did a wonderful job. It was a really good movie. Uh, the rest of them are quite like mediocre Crap. to bad. Um, but, but he's just really good. So, um, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I do hope to check out the Mandalorian one day, but it, it's just, unfortunately, podcasting is a bitch of a thing for your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't get much of a chance to, uh, to watch things recreationally anymore, which is a bit of a shame. So, um, I'm plowing through Parks and Rec at the moment, uh, though, so I'm doing well with that. I quite like that show now. Good show. Um, let's talk about, is there anything else you'd like to say about Happy Gilmore? Any, any other memories that, that strike you? Or I mean, obviously, let's just say that I watched it. I, I, I watched it twice. Uh, I really tried. There are certainly times that I, that I liked, like the opening and the ending, the very ending, the very opening. So basically anytime you hear that theme music from Mark Mother's Ball, pretty much. Um, and there are a couple of moments that I smiled at, like what you mentioned, like when the, the commentator is like, and we have quite an, economically diverse crowd here you know like like it's such a nice way of saying a bunch of pov fuckers yes uh, uh invading like, our beautiful golf course like things like that i i did smile at i didn't laugh uh, i don't think that's, that's not that's not a big laugh moment Stretched. for me but like Stretched. you know i i i i i smiled so that was something i'm not a big laugher at <laughs> movies anyway to be honest like even movies that i love and find hilarious i will smile more than i laugh uh, the only joy I get is from podcasting with you and other people on the We Made This Podcast Network, none of which uh, volunteered to um, to speak about Happy Gilmore. I'm stunned. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone that Would I you spoke like to... like me to put on a fake British accent? <laughs> I thought it was fucking great. <laughs> I thought it was just a fucking phenomenal movie. I saw it down East London with me mates when I was a little lad, and it was fucking tremendous. Shout out to all of our British uh, colleagues in the We Made This Network. I apologise. I spoke to a couple of them about, like, because I've I've got this new podcast, Dan, called Movieversaries. I've been plugging it a little bit recently. And part of the reason why we've had a bit of a break with Pretty Fly is so I could get that up and running. And, um, and yeah, like, so I've talked to people like Ian Buckley from, uh, Northeastern America. I talked to, uh, Carl Sweeney from the Movie Palace. Um, he's from England and, Craig McKenzie, you've met Craig before. He's a Scottish gent. Uh, very big into the Marvel podcast side of things, and we made this. And I told each of them that Happy Gilmore was next on the slate. And they were very diplomatic. Every single one of them. <laughs> they were all just like, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, well, have fun with that, lad. <laughs> just, so, uh, you know, like, I didn't hear any of them call it bollocks or whatever. They probably did under their breath, but uh, I didn't pick it up on the microphone, so... <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I I watched it. I gave it a crack. I I, I liked parts of it. Uh, I did like the through line of it, the heart of it. At the very heart of it, it's a guy with a rough upbringing trying to do his best for his grandma, and that's a nice story. And uh, if you hate that, you're a fascist. <laughs> Probably desperately, <laughs> probably desperately close to it, but uh, that's not something that I, I hate. Said it as a movie. joke, and then I was like. <laughs> yeah, like, what percentage of protesters do you think? 
my um, <laughs> but upon watching it again, it sounds to me like you 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 love the movie. Obviously, uh, a lot of it nostalgic, but it sounds like you do genuinely still find a lot of it really funny. I do, I do. I just I have. I, it, it's one of those movies that puts me in a good mood. You know, uh, it, I throw it on. It's it's a movie. This is there are very few of these. It's a movie that I'll put on if I'm at home sick, and mm. usually they make me feel better. Uh, and it, it is almost purely the nostalgia, but the nostalgia still makes me laugh. So uh, I, I do, I do find it funny. Okay, well that's I'm glad, and everyone needs those sort of comfort movies. Mine is not Happy Gilmore. Mine's a little bit different. Mine's probably more TV shows actually. So I'll probably go to like the US Office. Um, mm. Master of None, maybe uh, South Park as well, but more on that in a second. Uh, <laughs> what is something that we don't say anymore, Dan? What is something that was prevalent in the nineties but we just don't say it anymore? So I'm a big fan of portmanteaus. Uh, wow. Okay, I think they're great. I think they can be very funny, and one of my favourites is something that, according to the Oxford Dictionary, did sort of first become usable in the 70s, but probably didn't have a, uh, a big period of usage until the 90s. And it's the word fugly. <laughs> no. You're not just ugly, you're fugly, which is obviously a portmanteau of fucking ugly. Yes, I was wondering if you were going to actually say it. So um, we we often tick the explicit box, don't we, on this one anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um and I've sworn like 50 times. Already, so. <laughs> Me too. Um, my, yours is more like, how fucking funny is this? And mine's more like, what the fuck was this movie? Uh, so we're, just, we're just lucky you opened the podcast because I'd be like, welcome to the fucking pretty fly with fucking Dan and fucking Bo. Let's go. <laughs> Before they even have a time to like recognize the explicit stamp on the... Yeah. <laughs> three-year-old kids strapped into the backseat of the car. Your six-year-olds just put down the iPad. And I'm welcoming you to the fucking podcast. <laughs> it's like the intro to the Auntie Donna podcast. They're just basically just like, we hope you like the fucking podcast. You know, and it's like into it. So it sets a tone. It's it's like, exactly. uh, it sets the table, if you will, uh, for what you We don't make you get. hang around to work out whether you're going to like this show or not. Well, we do a little bit, unfortunately, because I, I don't swear in the opening. <laughs> 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 generally speaking too uh, but okay so fugly okay yes yeah, so you're right I guess we don't use that very much at the moment and I, I think you know what this is one of those times where I don't want to bring it back Dan I, I'm happy yeah, to look, leave it in the past I think as a as a descriptor of uh, physical appearance it's had its day and it's gone uh, and there is no need to call anyone fugly anymore based on how they look but I think, you know, there are some people out there who have a fugly soul. Right. It's like, they're not quite evil. They're not quite awful people. But they've got a little bit of a fugly soul. So what percentage of freedom <laughs> protest is... <laughs> I did you up so nicely for that. Yes, you did. Yeah, people who genuinely believe in a freedom protest to end lockdowns and deal with a pandemic, they have a fugly soul. 100%? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, I, I once had this argument with my auntie who once told me that she thought that Pauline Hanson was okay. And yeah. uh, <laughs> and I'm just like, I've had this argument and I'm just like, look, auntie, I'm sorry, but basically uh, anyone 
that votes for Pauline Hansen is either evil or ignorant. It's one of the two. There's, yeah. there's, there's no, oh, they're just a good person. No, you're either ignorant of what she truly stands for or you're evil. Yeah, you believe in that shit. I believe you're ignorant. <laughs> um, so, but one of the rare instances where you're hoping someone is ignorant rather than uh, evil, like evil, yes. Um, and in the case of uh, those freedom marches, I believe that some of them might be genuinely ignorant, but most of them would just be fugly as hell. So, I'm a bit confused because. At certain points, I've heard people say it's fucking ugly, and that's the one that I subscribe to, but I have heard people use it as an amalgamation between fat and ugly. And that's where I think the problem really stems, is that it's not just, at that point, it's not just like, oh, this person could be an ugly soul, like you're saying, and that would be a somewhat appropriate use of the word, but calling someone fat and ugly, that is, that is just not okay. Absolutely. And I think it's worth pointing out, according to Merriam-Webster, Colin, Cambridge, and Oxford Dictionaries, it's fucking ugly. So, uh, you're using it for... Yeah, it's all in there. Uh, <laughs> they're very, uh, they're very um, uh, specific. See, literally, Oxford Dictionary. Origin, 1960s blend of fucking and ugly. <laughs> Vulgar slang, very ugly or unattractive. When I think of Fugly, I think of Bring It On, the cheerleading. Yeah, yep. Is is that literally a a lyric in that song, though, in Bring It On? You're ugly. Uh, uh, It's ugly, right? Not Fugly. Yeah, it's not Fugly in the song. Because it's U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. (laughs) You ugly. (laughs) No, you're right. It does throw out the melody to throw in F-U. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's got to really rush the last uh, yeah no, no yeah no that's just ugly but that whole that's like that's a whole vibe the whole those late 90s early 2000s like mean girls what all that you know mm-hmm. fugly really rolls with that vibe mm-hmm. for sure yeah like even clueless like in the mid 90s like you could you could just picture sure <laughs> or dion kind of like um just calling uh, someone fugly She's so fugly. <laughs> oh, wow. That is actually something that I've stumbled upon recently. I've, I've stumbled upon two things then. I've, I prepared for one, but I'll, I will mention that one while I'm here. Clueless. Uh, I was on a, a, a weekend retreat recently with my partner, Shelby, and, and it was lovely. Um, I'm very lucky in this part of Australia, Dan, that I can go away. I was going to say, hey, leaving the house, lucky you. Yeah, it, like you know, I, I don't want to rub it in, and I won't. But it was, it was lovely. It was very, very nice. And um, but you know, to wind down, we would just watch a movie on the on the Apple TV um, that I brought with me, and it was, <laughs> you know, if Apple want to. Uh, sponsor the show I'm open to it shout out guys um, <laughs> and um, one of her favourite movies is Clueless so and I hadn't actually seen it ever to be honest um, have you have you seen Clueless nah yeah it's it's fairly good to be honest it's 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 very like if you like Mean Girls which is also fairly good or Easy A uh, I, I feel like you could probably also like something about Clueless um, at least I haven't still- seen any of them Oh, well, I recommend Mean Girls, especially. That's very I have heard funny. good things. Yeah. I have heard good things. But that came out at a time when I don't watch girl movies. Yes. So, 
No, well, I mean, like, I mean, Tiff might enjoy it, and if you ever sit down and watch a movie yeah, with her, I would, I would recommend that one, particularly Mean Girls. That one's very good. Uh, in, in, in my house, the man makes the decisions. Both, so, <laughs> um, she just gave me the dirtiest look. Um, <laughs> How, love you, baby. What percentage of protesters do you think? No, okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, clueless. I, I actually, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, certain parts of it. There were parts of it that I was like. Shelby is not getting these references because there's a lot of references to like, like I can Tina Turner, for example. And I'm like, that's, mm-hmm. that's not something that Shelby would be into, but I get it. Unexpected. Or like Sher and Dion being named after famous singers. They mentioned that in the script, in the movie. And like, I'm pretty confident that Shelby doesn't know who Dionne Warwick is, but I, I know who that is and she's wonderful. And if you don't follow her on Twitter, you are missing out my goodness she no seriously like one of my strongest follows absolutely Dionne Warwick no question about it like one of the one of the great follows on Twitter she's brilliant um yeah I'm sure she's listening strongly recommend that to you particularly Uh, I, I seriously you should definitely follow her um but then there's like, and Paul Rudd's in this movie, by the way. So Alicia Silverstone, this is like at the peak of her career. She's like, she's a supernova that's going to ascend the ranks and then just crash after Batman and Robin. But um, but she was funny. Um, and Brittany Murphy is in it before she like untimely passed away in the mid two thousands. She I would was. Hope- I would hope it was before she died, yeah. It, it was, yes. Um, the the timeless Paul Rudd is in this movie. He is. So good looking, so charismatic, wonderful comedic actor. And there's this really weird thing where, so he's like the stepbrother of Sher, played by Alicia Silverstone. And they, sorry, ex-stepbrother, because those parents are broken up. And they end up together. And that's seen as a win. And I'm just like, I'm watching it. And I'm like, is this like gonna be a thing and she'll be like looks at me and nods and I go okay and then it happens and then I'm like wow they really just play that off like a happy ending (laughs) (laughs) question marks there them's the 90s Uh, (laughs) it's a different time kids this is like a tentpole movie of the 90s for a lot of girls particularly and um, the the hot stepbrother yeah it's like a porn script I was going to say, keep an eye out, 90s kids, because that shit's going to become super prevalent. (laughs) Uh, And the other thing that I've been getting into recently is South Park. I've been using my Amazon Prime subscription. Shout out to Amazon. Jeffrey Bezos, um, to quote Bo Burnham. Um, Born in 1964, Jeffrey Jeffrey Bezos. There's a man that's... There's a man that's seen Bo Burnham's stand-up uh, movie thing inside. Yes. And just a big fan of Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> just a big fan of Jeff. Shout out, Jeff. I know you're listening. I'm his second biggest fan behind himself. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think my favourite song in that whole that whole movie, by the way, is just the one where it's just like, Jeffrey Bezos, you did it! Like, <laughs> you <know>. Congratulations! <laughs> I love it. Uh, but I've been using my Amazon Prime subscription, thank you to Jeffrey Bezos, uh, to uh, watch South Park, the early, the early seasons of South Park, the, the ones that I remember from when I was a kid, which I shouldn't have been watching that show. And, <laughs> and it is still 
hilarious. They they push the issue a few times. There is some ableist stuff with Timmy, for example, that uh, some of it, it, like, my favourite episode ever, by the way, is the Helen Keller Spectacular. I'm not sure, you're not, you're not a big South Park guy, are you? Not a huge South Park no. guy, but I am aware of, uh, of that particular... So... Uh, yeah. <laughs> of Timmy, for example, yeah. So, like, uh, so certain parts of South Park haven't aged that well, but certain parts have a lot of heart, and they actually, they kind of lampoon the whole let's make fun of the disabled by being like, hey, look how fucked this is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I generally feel like that's how South Park approach most things. It's like, this is kind of fucked, but there's, you know, there's it's so fucked that it happens, here's how it's happening, and here's what's going on, and... Anyway, that's a whole different conversation, probably. Let's get into your face about how fucked this is so that you know how fucked this is, right? Like Scientology mm. and all that sort of stuff. They, they lampoon everything. And uh, and the 90s stuff is pretty strong. Uh, the animation, not as strong as today's, but um, yeah, pretty strong. So I've been getting into South Park and Clueless recently. How about you? Well, I watched an interesting movie that I hadn't seen in probably 20 years, uh, I don't know if you ever saw Election. Came out in 1999. Yeah, I, 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 I think I. Oh, actually, am I thinking of the same movie? Let me, let me. <laughs> I just typed in Election into a cozy, yeah? and it's just like an election is a formal group decision-making process. I'm like, fucking hell, okay. Yeah, cozy, well done. Uh, yeah, on your uh, recommendation, uh, it's an Alexander Payne movie. Yes, this is the one. I have seen this movie. So good. Uh, so good. Reese Witherspoon, Matthew Broderick, Chris mm-hmm. Klein. Basically, school elections. Reese Witherspoon is the archetypal, overachieving uh, success story student who's going to achieve all her dreams and be the, the great success uh, of, the, of the town. And Jim McAllister, uh, played by Matthew Broderick, the teacher, he's basically just had enough of suck up shitty students like that so does what he can to uh get someone else elected as uh, as the student body president or class president or whatever they call them over there so it's all about them manipulating each other and you know a middle-aged teacher whose life is just fucked and he's over it uh it has there are rumors or i guess uh conspiracy theories that it's a grown-up ferris bueller uh, huh. sort of had you know was quite popular and had the world at his feet and moved on and things didn't really pan out and he's basically become what he hated and uh, yeah it's just a it's a funny little movie it's got it's good moments it's got a good story it holds up you know it's like a 20 year old movie now but it still mm-hmm. feels relevant probably because as you as you googled in election a lot of election news <laughs> a lot of uh, <laughs> It happens. A lot of controversy and, and really thoughtful and feeling uh, feeling issues come out of elections. So you do, you kind of see the the backstory there of just like, oh for fuck's sake, I just want her to lose something or not get something that she wants. Mm. Because she's so perfectly goody two shoes, whatever. I'm over it. I just want to see this other guy win. And I mean the other guy's not a loser. It's Chris Klein, he's big, he's muscly, he's fine. Uh, he's dumb as as all hell in this movie, mm. uh, but the idea is: look, he's the sort of popular candidate that could beat her, because the only reason he wouldn't is because he's not invested in school politics. He doesn't give a shit. So she's going to run unopposed or against a bunch of losers who nobody will vote for, 
and she'll get what she wants. So let's try and turn this super popular jock guy into uh, a candidate and and fuck over her dream, basically. So it's it's really funny. Well, you know what? Because um, as as you were speaking there, I was I was piecing together the movie as I remembered it. Um, and by the way, Chris Klein, another one of those guys that just fell off a cliff. Like oh yeah, like, like this movie and American Pie around the same time. That dude had the world at his feet, and then just nothing, I guess. After and then that, basically nothing till the American Pie reunion and like <laughs> twenty years of plastic surgery. And so, there was some other like Heather Graham movie that he was like a romantic comedy as well. But I only remember that because Heather Graham's good looking. Um, now, I'm misogynistic. <laughs> this this movie um, was actually saying quite a bit too, wasn't it? It's saying a lot about career politicians. And how yeah, how sort of toxic they they can be. Like a career politician is the kind of politician that will just do whatever he needs to do to get, or she needs to do whatever they need to do to get to the top. I think of a guy like Malcolm Turnbull in Australian politics, a guy that probably should have been a Labor candidate for years, um, and then ends up being on the moderate side of the Liberal Party just because that was his easiest path to, to the top. Um, I, that's a theory Mark, that I have. Um, Mark Latham yeah, as well. Yeah, they can be quite toxic and people lose sight of what the point of a politician is when all they want to do is be successful as a politician. They don't, they don't care yeah. about people who they're meant to be representing anymore and that's when things like corruption and things like that happen. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said there and don't you reckon that there is like a a big parallel to the 2016 US election, <laughs> the way it panned out. Hillary Clinton, the career politician, the you know, for the most part, seen as this proper politician. And then the Republicans just go, you know what? Fuck it. We can't let this happen. Let's throw the antithesis of Hillary Clinton <laughs> or a career politician into the mix and just to, just to engage the disenfranchised. And it worked. And it was not good uh, by any objective measure, as we found out. But uh, and continue to find out on a regular basis. Yes, but I mean, like Alexander Payne. Uh, this is a guy with a lot of good ideas. I don't know if you've seen many of his other movies. He's made about Schmidt, uh, Sideways, The Descendants, Nebraska. He made Downsizing, which wasn't as good a couple of years ago. Um, but this is a guy that's a very good filmmaker, very smart man. He writes a lot of his own stuff. And uh, had a lot to say. So I respect that. It's a good choice, election. I, I should actually check that out. I haven't seen it for a long time. I do recommend it. Um, I, it's funny you mentioned Sideways. I'm, I'm going to watch that this week as part of my um, Empire 500 Best Movies Challenge. Oh, yeah. How's that going? Uh, it's, the ne- uh, it's, it's had a bit of a hiatus. I just have not been in a movie mood, mm. um, which I do sometimes go through. I just, I've been watching, believe it or not, reality television. Um, or as close to reality television as I come, which is Ink Master, uh, oh, yeah, which yeah. is a reality tattoo competition. Mm. Uh, I just love it because I love tattoos and I love everything about them. So I've been watching a lot of that and I've been watching uh, Travels with My Father on Netflix with uh, Jack Whitehall. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is just something we started at because we're all working remotely. We, um, we've started like a it's book club, but for TV shows yeah. at work. So one one Friday in the month, we all get together and talk about a show that we've been watching, and that was this month's one. So um, I, I've really been off movie vibes for a little while, but I've, I've decided that this coming week is going to be I need to get back on that and uh, and really start to chip away at a few more movies. So 
Sideways is uh, is next on the list. I remember liking Sideways when I watched it. I think I was about 20 when I watched it. So it's a few years after it came out. By that point, it had a reputation as one of the best movies ever. And then since then, it's fallen away a fair bit um, down the so- social conscious to the point that it's 490 something on the Empire list, which was made in 2008. So like... <laughs> take that with a grain of salt it's probably fallen further since then since so yeah. uh you know yeah take it with a grain of salt uh it's a movie about a couple of dudes that go on a wine tasting road trip and end up you know with relationship challenges i guess would be the best way to call that one of them i think it's a a bachelor party of sorts um Type movie. which yeah. you know what bachelor what bachelor party isn't set by uh being a wine tasting trip yeah, and this is Alexander Payne's style. Actually, he's uh, he's you know fairly cerebral with most of his stuff. Um, so you know, strap yourself in. I'll be very curious to see how you go with that one. My thoughts will be posted. I do like Paul Giamatti, so it's a good start. He is a very very strong actor in this movie. He's a strong actor generally, but uh, but yes, uh, very very strong in this movie particularly. I think it's his best role actually that I've seen. Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, walking here. <laughs> what is happening? How did you get to that? <laughs> it's, it's just the only thing I can say in a remotely New York accent. <laughs> is his name, and I'm walking here. You just you just went to uh, Dustin Hoffman in, in Midnight Cowboy for some reason. I got no idea why. Um, okay, so <laughs> Dan, <laughs> it's been a long one. To be honest with you, uh, with the next get that into you, which is going to be the final episode of the season for us we're going to have a little bit of a hiatus you have a baby on the way um and it's just the time is right to to sort of take a take a breather so um i think the timing yeah timing is good for one now i initially had an album it was my choice and it's a it's a music choice this time so i initially had an album from the mid 90s that was a bit like slacker rock kind of uh, shoegaze is, is the technical genre by a band named Pavement and we may well get to that one day um, but we had you know the, the three albums we've covered so far this season have been uh, Californication they've been um, The Bends by Radiohead and it's been Dookie by Green Day now they're all very different albums those three but one thing they do have in common is that they're all white dudes playing instruments in a rock setting so I decided to go a little bit different. I didn't want to go with Pavement because that would just fit that brand again. Uh, also, I wanted to exact some revenge for making me watch Happy Gilmore. Not not just once, <laughs> twice. Now now we've got to the crux of the change. <laughs> and uh, and this this change has happened. Now, I don't... It turns out you might like this. You might... I don't think you would have heard of this artist before. Um, you may have. And if you have... Uh, I assume you probably have an opinion about this artist because I feel like their music is very, very divisive. Not for political reasons or anything like that. Um, more just because it's very odd. It's very different. Uh, it's hip-hop. Uh, the artist's name is Dr. Octagon. The actual artist's name is Cool Keith. That's cool with a K. 
So two Ks, cool Keith. Of course it was alliteration and of course it was misspelled. Yes, of course. And uh, I was actually listening to this episode of Bandsplain, which is a, a podcast on Spotify, which I really like. And uh, they were talking about cool Keith and they were going through his discography with Dr. Octagon and various other aliases that he has. He worked very closely with MF Doom, for example. He was in a, a hip hop group in the late 80s called the Ultra Magnetic MCs, which are like really, really good. He made this seminal album, I think in 1996. I could be wrong. Same year as Happy Gilmore, I'm pretty sure. As Dr. Octagon, and it's called Dr. Octagonicologist. <laughs> I know how you like your really long, convoluted name since that last time we did Spotty Oddy Dopalicious by our cast. What a waste of my time that was. Well, that was only um, seven minutes of your time. This is going to be yeah, more true. like an hour. An <laughs> um, it's it's different to Spotty Oddy Dopalicious. Um, this Thanks the best way that. the best way to describe this is to describe Dr. Octagon as a character. The way I like to see Cool Keith is Cool Keith is like an author like a fantasy author, that he just comes up with these narratives or these characters and then he makes albums about them and it's sometimes they're fucking batshit. And Dr. Octagon is a doctor gynecologist who uh, I think kills people, I'm pretty sure, and is set in outer space. Standard stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it's like really, really down the down line, the mainstream, well, nowhere near Earth, as it turns out. He does have a song about Earth people, which is one of the one of the hits from the album, if you can call them that. It was not a commercially successful album at all, but very critically successful, very influential in some ways, but also not influential in others, because people really respect Cool Keith as a lyricist and as a, as a rapper. He's very skillful, but no one's following his lead because he's just so out there on his own. He's like on an island. So I'm, I, I don't know if you're going to like it. You might, and you might thank me for setting you on the course of a, a new artist that you like, or you might hate Dr. On- Octagonicologist by Dr. Octagon. It's, it's going to be interesting because one thing that I actually do like, and it's surprising, it surprises a lot of people, I guess, is mid-90s hip-hop. Hmm. Uh, and I also like uh, rap and hip hop that really pushes boundaries uh, and and comes up with a few different type of I guess really pushes the the boundaries of what hip hop uh, and and music is mm-hmm. and and should be. Yeah. Uh, and I, I sort of think you know you've got your very obvious Snoop Jog Snoop Snoop Jogs. Uh, <laughs> I'm going for a jog after this, and it's uh, it's on my mind at the moment because I'm. Uh, I'm very much uh, not Man. looking forward to it. But, like, you know, Method Man, Outcast, apart mm. from... Spotty on Snoop Dogg, even a little bit of Tupac. Like, I really vibe that. But there are some less uh, well-known hip-hop artists that I really like. So uh, I have heard of Dr. Octagon, and I'm interested in sort of checking him out because... Uh, of all the um, of all the comparisons that I've read since you told me about it, uh, one is to a, a New York artist called Your Old Droog, who is who is one of my f- absolute favourites. So, oh, I haven't I haven't heard of of you, who who's that? Sorry, Ural Droog. Your old Droog. Oh, your uh, old Droog. Okay, he, he's he's African American, but he has like Eastern European heritage in his family, mm. um, and apparently Droog is like Ukrainian or something for friend. Mm. Uh, 
They all, so, they all, yeah. It's also, by the way, it's also what uh, they call the gang in A Clockwork Orange. Like, the, the Droogs. True. Mm. The Droogs, yeah. Mm. There you go. So nice. I wonder if there's a reference there, yeah. Yeah, apparently, yeah, Droog in Russian is close friend. Okay. Uh, is close friend, yes? Um, <laughs> funnily enough, I do. there is a Ivan St. Ives, a Russian rapper that I don't mind as well. Um, but yeah, I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested and open to the concept, and I will certainly go in with an open mind. Well, you're gonna need it. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna need the open mind because because uh, it's a it's a hell of a thing. Uh, Doctor Octagon Ecologist by Doctor Octagon. Dan, as always, thank you so much for this latest episode of Pretty Fly, which is uh, a, a show that we're very proud to be a part of. The We Made This Podcast Network, as we as we referenced earlier. I'm guessing you did have some plans for um, another We Made This show, but that might be on the back burner now that. Our little baby is on the way. Yes, uh, there are some some plans that are still in discussion around a couple of things, uh, but I think a lot of my appearances for the foreseeable future will be cameos. Uh, committing to a, a constant schedule might be a little bit out of it. We got some time before the baby comes, but I'm also stepping up at work as well, so it's um, it's a lot going on. But hopefully, you'll um, you'll hear me pop up here and there on some uh, on some we made this shows. I look forward to that because I always like the sound of your voice, Dan. It's been too long oh, since I've heard your voice. Too. You can always tell because we've gone for ne- we've been recording for nearly two hours, so obviously <laughs> we had a few things to say to each other. It's a catch up, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and yeah, if you if you do want to check out some of my stuff for all those listeners out there, um, I as, I as I mentioned earlier, I am starting up a podcast called Movieversaries with four episodes deep as we speak um, so far. So basically it's, it's just celebrating the, uh, the significant anniversaries of significant films. So, uh, you know, we've done the 20th anniversary of spirited away, which is a fantastic Japanese animated movie. Uh, Walkabout, 50 years old. That's a, uh, not an Australian movie, but a, a movie set in Australia. That's very significant to Australian film uh, in the Australian new wave of the seventies. Uh, we did the 90th anniversary of city lights, which is why they regarded as Charlie Chaplin's best movie. And just, just last week we released the 30th anniversary of Terminator two judgment day, which I had a lot of fun recording with Craig McKenzie from Edinburgh. So, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. The next one on the cab of the rank is citizen Kane. That's turned 80 this year. Um, one of the, Riley regarded as one of the greatest movies. Wait a minute. There's no Kane in Citizen Kane. (laughs) You're so, you're so quick on the, uh, on the, on the Simpsons. That's the Simpsons, right? Yeah. It's, it's my personality. Let's be honest. (laughs) There is a Kane in Citizen Kane though. Just not a literal wooden Kane. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes, uh, Charles Foster Kane is the movie is about, and it's 80 years old. Uh, widely regarded as one of the greatest movies ever. Very much looking forward to talking about it with Ian Buckley from We Are Starfleet, which is also a show on the We Made This Podcast Network. Dan, it's been a genuine pleasure to talk to you again. Uh, I know that you know lockdown's been tough for you down there, particularly in Sydney. So, uh, you know, w- once everything opens up, which it will very, very soon by the sounds of it, please do stay safe. Maybe consider still wearing a mask and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I hope you go well. Social distancing uh, will absolutely remain applied in my life. Uh, So I do thank you for that. And it has been an absolute pleasure to to join you once again. 
Uh, and I hope it's not too long before we're uh, we're back talking about some interesting shit that no one cares about from the 90s. Dr. Octagon. Dr. Octagon Ecologist. It's happening. We're going to do it. Thanks for listening to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast. He's been Daniel Lang. I've been Bo Nicholson. This is a Pioneer Podcast production, and it's hosted on the We Made This Podcast Network. Thanks for your company. See you next time. Elsewhere on We Made This. Hardest crew. Although, if we're honest, the doctor more than makes up for all the colour we miss in the story. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the sixth doctor on TV? On TV, he doesn't fare as well as he does in other mediums like Big Finish, I'll be honest. He can be very abrasive and rude, and yet, I still really like what they were going for with this doctor. They just didn't do it in a way which made other people truly fall in love with him. Indeed, they hated him. Pick a disc. It's a fascinating thing with, um, it's the difference between comedy and music, um, is that the bands generally, like, you can have a hit single that you're famous for and you can not want to play it, but you know that that's what people have come for. Um, whereas it's very rare that comedians get, like, a bit that you that you have to do, like, where you're like, if you went to see um, uh, Michael McIntyre, for instance, um, who's, you know, got some of the big bits of sort of like the comedy that was on DVD when everyone was watching DVDs. Um, you know, the, like if he did the mandrel bit, you'd be like, oh, cool, he did the mandrel bit. But if he didn't, you wouldn't be there going, oh, I can't believe he didn't do that. You'd be like, no, he did a show. Uh, that's the, he did all, like, he did an hour of stuff that we'd never heard before and it was great. And I've probably seen this movie enough times that I don't really need the subtitles, so that's not as much of a concern. But that was always sort of, uh, you know, kind of in the back of my head when I when I when I would watch it with subtitles on. Is I just wish my eyes weren't drawn to this one section of the screen during these sequences where there's a lot else to look at. All that detail that you talked about earlier, yeah. Well, see, the funny thing for me is I watch everything with subtitles. Everything I can, I love subtitles. So like even the English version, I'm watching it with subtitles. Dude, I do that too uh, these days increasingly because, uh, yeah, I don't want to miss lines of dialogue. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network.